Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. All right, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. We've been in the book of Ephesians for quite a while here in this series called uh, Life-Giving Habits, right? So I want to start today by just asking real quick, raise your hand if you have a bad habit. Yeah, anybody who didn't raise their hand, your habit's lying. So um, we're going to start today with a little fun exercise that we call confession, all right? Um, There's a survey that was done among U.S. adults, and it just asked them this, well, what are the most common habits? Like, what are your top 10 most common habits? And so I'm going to read you a list of the most common bad habits, the most common bad habits in the U.S., and it, as I read these, I'll say, number one, the number one most, like, most common habit, bad habit is this. And if that's one of your bad habits, I want you to respond with a hearty amen. See, this is going to be fun. You're like, I've never, haven't been to church in 10 years, and wow, this is weird. We're starting with confession. Here we go. You ready? The number one bad habit, most common bad habit for people is this, not exercising enough. See, that wasn't so bad, was it? Uh, number two, not saving enough money. <laughs> we went from a amen to a amen. <laughs> wow. Number three, procrastinating. Now, that, that was weird. That took longer. We gave enough time for the procrastinators to say amen. All right, number four, sleeping too little. And that's almost like a badge of honor, right? I'm so important. I have so much to do. I sleep too little. Uh, Staying up late. Eating too much. Spending too much money. Amen. (laughs) I don't know. There was a robust amen over here. Um, uh, Being lazy. Drinking caffeine, <laughs> screen time before bed. Though they're not enough amens, they're all still at home. Now, see, don't you feel better after good confession time like that? Amen. All right, we should know this though. That's what they called a bad habit. Let's clarify this real quick. What is a bad habit? I, I want to say this because I want to double check it. Because what psychology or our culture might call a bad habit might not actually be what the Bible calls a bad habit. So according to psychology, a habit is any action that we perform so often that it becomes almost an involuntary response, meaning you don't actually choose to do it anymore, it chooses you. And if this habit becomes undesirable, we may consider it to be a a bad habit. Now, the Bible it doesn't really refer to um, these kind of traits that we just talked about very often as bad habits. In Ephesians, where we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, so open up a Bible, get there, they call it this, they call it the old self. Like, the old self means that you actually have a new self, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, they refer to it as the old self. And and we read this a little bit earlier, Ephesians chapter four, verse 22, okay? And by the way, I'm gonna go slow enough through these scriptures that open your Bible. It could be on your phone. It could be black book in front of you. That's a Bible. Open that, find Ephesians chapter four. It says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, the way you used to live before you met Jesus, to put off your old self like a shirt, like take that thing off and get rid of it. And it says, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Notice this. It's not corrupted by something out there. It's actually corrupted by what lives inside of us. We corrupted it. So in your life before you met Jesus, there's this old self. And when you meet Jesus and he forgives you, he gives you this new self, but he tells you, you're involved in the process. You got to take off the old habits, the old self. Now, remember that, that Paul is writing this letter to a specific church in the city of Ephesus, and he gives us a list of bad habits. Now, here's what we don't know. We don't actually know if the habits he's writing about existed in the church. And he's like, listen, listen, I've heard a reputation about your church. And I want you to know some of those bad habits, they need to end now. Or if he's saying this, the Greek culture in which this church lives, I know the habits that happen there. Don't let those habits into the church. So he gives us a list of the habits. Let me just read a couple of these to you. Look at verse 25. See if you can pick out the three bad habits. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Did you get the three bad habits? First one, falsehood or lying. Just says don't lie. You got to take that habit off. The second is anger. Well, kind of. In your anger, do not sin. It's the context of anger. Maybe being angry wasn't wrong, but anger often leads to this this way of behaving that becomes a bad habit. And then he says this: just don't steal. Paul, he's actually just barely hitting the tip of the iceberg at this point, though, because I just read to you three of them in in four twenty five through chapter five verse twenty. He lists 17 bad habits. Maybe one will identify with you or you'll identify with it. Um, Since he's getting warmed up, let me just, instead of me reading them all to you, I'm going to give you a list. In fact, I put them in your notes. Check your notes there. There's a a chart right there. And on the left-hand side, there's an entire list of what we'll just call bad habits. Here they are, falsehood, lying, anger, stealing. He goes on to unwholesome talk. Bitterness, I mean, bitterness is not even something that you did. It's an attitude inside you. He's like, how you feel and think towards other people actually is a bad habit. Uh, Rage, anger. Now, mind you, this is written to a church. And if he's writing to a church because it's happening in the church, listen to the next three. Brawling, slander, and malice. I mean, their parties on the patio sound more like a Raiders-Rams game, right? But quick question. When I, when I look at the 10, top 10 most common bad habits that people admit to, that list sounds distinctly different 
than these top 10 that Paul gives us. Um, What's the difference in how the average person in the U.S. defines a bad habit and how the Bible does? Let me give you a couple thoughts. I think people commonly define a bad habit by anything that affects them in a negative way. Like, I I want this, and I can't get what I want, therefore there's a bad habit that stands in the way. Or this makes me feel bad about myself, therefore it's it's a bad habit. Let me just give you what I think Ephesians 4.25 through 5.20, how he defines a, a bad habit here. It's the old self, and the bad habit actually violates God's character or holiness, and it harms our relationship with him and relationship with others. Isn't that very different than, I don't get enough sleep, it's a bad habit? Too much screen time before I go to bed. I'm not saying it's not a bad habit, but it seems that Paul's list that he warns people of seems to be much more intense or directed at violating God's character as holiness or destructive in your relationships with other people as opposed to, yep, not getting enough sleep. I got to back up for just a minute. We're in this series called Life-Giving Habits, right? And it all began with this verse in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 where Paul says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. I want you to live the kind of life because Jesus dies on the cross for your sins. And when you receive his gift of forgiveness, you turn your life over to his direction. He becomes your savior, your boss, your Lord. And he invites you to have this this new life. The problem is this, sometimes we drag our old self and our old habits into this new life that God has for us. And I urge you to live this life worthy of the calling that you've received. And then Paul puts it this way. If you look back at chapter five, verse three, he says this, these, and he's referring to all these habits, these habits that we have are improper for God's holy people. There's a lot of Christians who are like, I want Jesus. I mean, it sounds good, like forgiveness, Somebody who's there with me and for me all the time, who loves me, who has grace and mercy for me. I want Jesus. But the problem is we couple Jesus with the old life and the old habits and the old self as if we're all going to walk hand in hand with my old self and Jesus and walk through life. And he's like, no, 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 kick one to the curb. And it's not me. Kick, kick your old self to the curb. you got to actively take it off. He's not going to say that he's always going to do it for you. He wants to do it with you and through you. So in this series, um, I want us to recognize when we talk about bad habits, I think sometimes we think about Jesus as our buddy. Yeah, Jesus, my homeboy. Remember that t-shirt from two decades ago? Jesus is my homeboy. He's my buddy. No, he's the holy son of God. He is the Holy Son of God who gave everything for us to be forgiven. I think sometimes we forget about that. It's interesting in John 15, though, he also calls us friend. He's our friend. There's a closeness to that. But there's a reverence to that that I think sometimes we forget. And bad habits, according to the scriptures, hold that there's actually a morality for us that is determined by God, not by us. Go back to the 10, top 10 bad habits. 
Who determines whether it's a bad habit or not? We do. People do. And it's, it's only bad because it's bad for us. I think what Paul is communicating here, when you take a look at all of the bad habits that he lists in chapters 4 and chapter 5, he's the one who determines what a bad habit looks like because it violates his holiness. And it actually isn't just because it's bad for us. It's, it's bad for our community. And it's bad for God because it violates his holy character. So because of all this, here's the question that I'm going to sit and reside on today. What do you want to do with our bad habits? What do you want to do with your old self? I'm going to suggest three things that come directly for the scriptures. Here it is. Breaking bad habits. The number one thing is this, is recognize. You got to recognize it. And you got to agree with it. That's a bad habit. We're going to recognize the habit and we're also going to recognize the triggers to put off the old self. So Paul gives us this list in Ephesians. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to walk you through this list real quick. Just take a look at it. We're going to walk through it one more time. Not sure if it was problems in the actual church or just the Greek culture, but listen, falsehood, lying. Do you ever say things that aren't true? Does it really matter the reason behind it? It could be bragging, and you just kind of fudge on that a little bit. It could be a business report. It could be where you're telling your spouse where you were and why you were late. I mean, just it's a simple question. Just was it true? Uh, anger. <clears throat> and it's interesting because um, anger shows up twice in the list. I'm not quite sure why. It makes me really angry that it's there twice, though. <clears throat> just a stealing. I mean, taking something that's not yours. <clears throat> Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's information. You took it, pretended like it was yours. Well, shoot, now we're talking preaching. Like, I better make sure I'm quoting people, right? <laughs> As if I created all this on my own. Unwholesome talk. Wow, that's a really wide street, isn't it? Unwholesome talk. Bitterness. Rage. Anger. There it is again. Brawling. Some of you, I'm looking at you, I'm like, you're a brawler. You 70-year-olds and older, you're brawlers. I'm just kidding. But some of us, question, maybe you don't live out your brawling, but do you think about it? Do you think about, I don't want anyone taking advantage of me, and if they ever did, I would. You're a brawler in your mind. Um, slander. When we say things that maybe we justify like, you know what, that person really is like this, and so we talk about them. Not to them, because that would be crazy dangerous, right? But we talk behind their backs. And even if it is true, it could still be slander. Um, malice, the word malice means this, you're intending to do harm or evil. Now, th those are the 10 that we went through. There's actually several more here, and they get a little more um, uncomfortable. He says, not a hint of sexual immorality. You know, there's some kind of like sexual immorality where we can think or do things that like, that's just acceptable because the culture kind of does that. But Paul just says this, um, uh, not a hint of it, not a whiff of it. It's probably a higher standard that any of us really live with. And then it says any kind of impurity or greed. Wow. Obscenity. Foolish talk. I think sometimes we just call that humor, but maybe it's not actually funny. Number 15 is coarse joking. Oh, guilty. 
And then he just winds it all up with like this. And by the way, don't get drunk. <laughs> Listen, some of these actions, he doesn't actually call them habits. He just says, this is our old self. But when we do them enough that they create these neuropathways in our brains that we actually don't even think about doing them anymore, we just, before we think about doing them, we're actually already doing them. We don't get to choose them anymore. Question, did you choose to brush your teeth today? I don't mean, did you brush your teeth today? I hope the answer is yes. <laughs> but did you choose it? Of course not. You just walked up the counter and did whatever you normally do, deodorant, hairbrush, hairspray, toothbrush, or whatever order you choose to do that. And you do the same thing all the time, right? Because it's a, it's a habit for you. We have bad habits that just we get triggered to do them. So it brings me to this. Before you ever do a bad habit, what triggers it for you? Because I don't want us to just recognize the habit. I want us to recognize the trigger. Um, for example, uh, there's a trigger that makes your mouth talk like that. If it's a critical mouth or a foul mouth or swearing, like whatever it is, there's a trigger for that. Like maybe it's when I hang out with my buddies, I just know when I hang out with them in that place, my mouth changes. What's the trigger? It's a who. It's the people you're with. And it's the where, it's where, where you're at. At work, when someone approaches me aggressively, I know that I'm going to say something that is not kind. I'm going to be defensive. What's your trigger? The aggression of another person. Question, do you know what your triggers are? I was, uh, Sunday mornings, I, I try to do this. I, I try to just sit down, open my Bible, set my heart right before I kind of finish prepping and making sure that my message is ready. And Psalm 39.1, this is what I opened to this morning. I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. What's his trigger? Wicked people. It's the people he was with. Now, it was super convicting because I was driving last night with some friends in the car and it got complicated and uh, yeah, and uh, out my mouth. That's all I'm going to say about that. It just wasn't one of my best moments. How was that? Claire's mud? And I read this this morning. I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I may have a bad habit that I need to own. Here's my hope for you. Ready? I hope that you'll recognize today a bad habit. That it's not just about, oh, yeah, it's just not good for me. No, come on. It's a habit that violates God's character. So here's my question for you. Will you write something down? You can shield it from the person next to you. But would you write something down? I'm not asking you to grab all 17 of these habits and change them today. I'm asking you, is there one habit? And then I want you to answer this. What triggers it? Maybe it's the who you're with. Maybe it's the where you're at. Can I say this? Some, some of you, it's the time of day. Your new self is present from 6 a.m. to about 8 p.m., but from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., man, your old self is there. <laughs> Maybe it's time of day. Maybe it's day of the week. Yeah, Friday night. Friday night, that's a trigger for me. My old self, it used to be pretty crazy on Friday night, and, and that's the trigger for me. What's your trigger? Here's what I want you to do. I, there are way too many people looking at me. 
Because if you were writing something down, I'd see the top of your head, right? I mean, I'd see a lot more bald spots like mine that's going on here. Like, write something down. And so I want you to do this. If you're going to figure out your triggers, I want you to explore it. What do you mean by that? So when you mess up this week, what do you mean, pastor, when I mess up this week? Aren't we like taking off the old self right here today? Yes, we are. And we're going to take it off again when we mess up later this week. When you mess up and that old habit comes back, would you please do this? Pause and think, what was happening right before that? Did you get confronted by somebody? Did that person trigger you? Maybe you were driving and your worst moments are when you're driving. You need to take the bus from here on out. I don't know. (laughs) What triggered you? Because the the trigger is like this. Um, Imagine you're on a railroad track and you look down the track and there's a train coming. The track is your life. The train is your bad habit. If you never recognize it and you don't recognize the triggers, before you can step out of the way, boom, your habit hits you and all the wreckage that that creates as well. And you know what the wreckage is, right? It's not just relationships around us. The wreckage is the vicious cycle we go through. I do the thing I said I would never do again. And when I do it, then I feel shame and I feel guilt. And then I feel so bad that I do that thing again, or I pick up another bad habit. You are super susceptible when we feel bad, shameful about ourselves. If you know your bad habit and you recognize it and you know the trigger, you can see the train coming and step out the way as that bad habit goes by you. So here, if we're going to break bad habits, here it is. Recognize, recognize the bad habit, recognize your trigger. Um, next thing is this, we want to replace it. You have to replace the old self with the new self. That means this, you're going to replace your old behavior with a new helpful habit. Listen to where this comes from directly from the scriptures. Verse 23, Ephesians 4, 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Pause right there for just a minute. You are being made new. It is not all up to you. God is changing you. I'll get to that in just a minute. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The target is this, righteousness, holiness. The target is not you being a better version of you. The target is the character of Christ, the character of God, and and, and to be more like him. How do we do that? It's not about taking off just our old self. You got to put something in its place. Here's what's fascinating. Psychology has a whole therapy about this. It's called replacement therapy. You want to change something about yourself? You have to take the old habit off. But if there's just a void of habits, the old habit's coming back. So you got to replace it with a new habit. Are you with me right now? So here's what's funny. Take a look at the scriptures back at that chart. You can read through the whole text, and I would encourage you today, sometime today, read through this whole text. It's all in there. Don't trust me. Read it for yourself. When you take off the the habit of falsehood, here's what it says. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. So you're not focused on, did I lie? Did I lie? All all you say is, well, what's the truth? I must speak the truth and, and speak the truth in love. We'll get to that in just a minute. How about anger? Anger, he says this, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. I think the habit is this. Did I resolve it? Did I have the courage to bring up the thing that made me so angry and put it to rest? And if it's with somebody, to in loving kindness approach them and say, I don't want to hold a grudge. And I don't want this anger here. And as as much as it depends on you, Romans says, live at peace with each other. Stealing. Here's the, the new self. 
They need to work with their hands, do something useful with their hands to help those in need. Not do something with your hands so that you can provide for you. Do it for someone else. Unwholesome talk. Here's the new habit. Speak only what is helpful for building others up. It's hard to talk bad about people when you're super focused on encouraging people. Have you thought about this? Like, Just go throughout your day. Who are you going to see today? See your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe your parents, maybe a neighbor. What would it look like for you to encourage them? The hard thing is we don't do encouragement very well, so we don't even, we don't even know how to plan to do it. For us to get better at it, make a plan. How would you encourage your neighbor? Just create a plan. Go encourage them. Uh, bitterness. Now, under bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, and malice, he really just says this, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. What's the kind thing to do? What is the compassionate thing to do? What's the forgiving thing to do? Here's what's so fascinating about the scriptures. Psychology caught up with the scriptures that's 2,000 years old, and they created replacement therapy when God knew about this way longer than they did. Think about this for just a moment. When people rage, when people get angry, when they're brawling, when there's slander, when there's malice, they're doing that because they think the other person deserves it. They feel justified in it. But when you ask the question, well, what's the kind thing to do? Yeah, but they don't deserve my kindness. Well, the next question is, what's the compassionate thing to do? Oh, so you look at them not as someone who just violated something towards you, but actually a person who is broken. How do you treat broken people? With compassion. Yeah, but they hurt me. Well, the third question is, what's the forgiving thing to do? It changes our response if that's the new habit we're putting on. Um, No hint of sexual immorality says walk in the way of love, sacrificial love. Here's what's interesting about sexual immorality. It is the process of taking something from someone for our pleasure. And the scripture says walk in the way of love. In fact, a sacrificial love like Christ loved us. Well, sacrifice is about doing what's good for them, not for us. When it talks about obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, he says, here's what you replace it with, words of thanksgiving. It's hard to speak words of thanksgiving and be thankful all the time and then let the rest of that come out of our mouths. He says, don't get drunk. But instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit of God. Often the drinking can be a social, fun thing that people do, but often it's a numbing thing because they don't want to deal with, we don't want to deal with our lives. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God who loved you enough to give his son for you. That there's nothing that can keep you from walking into God's presence and saying, God, here I am. Make me new. So that's our list. How do you replace it? Now, I want to be super clear on this because some of you, I mentioned the word psychology a couple times and some of you are like, just don't like that psychology stuff. We're talking about Jesus and the Bible, right? That's it. Let's make sure that I'm super clear on this. Uh, What I'm talking about is not self-help because this is the difference with self-help. Self-help literally is that you are able to help yourself. It's all up to you. You have the right to determine what the bad habit is, and all you need is what lives in you. Like, you can do it. It's about willpower. You know what the problem with willpower is? Totally limited. Willpower is a muscle. You work that muscle and work that muscle, it gets fatigued, it gets tired, and eventually it hits its limit, and it gives out. What then do you rely on? 
It's not about willpower. It is about God's power that is working inside of you. That is the benefit of, of, of who Christ is. Let me do this. Turn in your Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Man, if you want a, if you want a reminder that God is with you and empowering you, here it is. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, this whole new life that he's called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There's a richness, there's an inheritance that he's given you and his incomparably great power for us who believe. If you've got a pen, underline that. Incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. It lives in you. When the father said, son, rise. When he was dead for three days, son, rise. The power that brings life to dead things. It says we have access to that power. But I can tell by looking at faces that we go, yeah, I think other people have that power. I just don't. I'm stuck. I'm broken. I've done the same thing so many times that, that I'm beyond hope in this. Look at me. You're not. And maybe that's all you need to hear today. You're not broken beyond the power of God in you. You're not hopeless. You're not worthless. You're not unworthy of God's love. He's with you. And if we truly believe the scriptures, maybe we're just not digesting this enough and putting our face in it and allowing it to trickle into our heart and give us the power because it says his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. If he raised Jesus from the dead, why can't he raise your life up from the old habits? He can. We have to choose to believe it. When we recognize and we replace, let me just wrap it up. Um, I'm not going to wrap it up yet, but let me just talk about this third thing. It's this reward and it's this, this new habit. I, I just want to talk about operating from three places. The, the reward begins by operating from confidence and love. And I want you to hear this. It says, verse, 40, uh, verse 30 of chapter 4, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we do bad habits, when you do these things that dishonor God, it says we grieve him. But it says, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Sealed, protected. He's got you in his hand. He's not going to let you go. You are sealed. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. I just want you to hear this. I I know some of us feel like, man, I I feel like if I sin, God's going to let me go. That every time I do it, I'm on the the road to hell. Listen, he says, you are sealed for the day of redemption. I'm going to say it this way. God does not unadopt his kids. You're going to follow this way that God has set for us as dearly loved children. People who are loved by God and sense that, they're operating from hope. This other, I know there's this verse and I want you to see this. It's chapter five, verse five. Some of you are afraid that if you keep sitting the way you are, that you're just on the road to hell. Let let me read this to you real quick. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. 
For because of such thing, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And you're thinking, wow, he's writing that to the church. Like, listen, God's not going to let you into the kingdom of God if you just keep doing what you're doing. But look at verse 7. This is the context of it. Therefore, do not be partners with them. He's not writing that to the church. He's writing it to the church to say, there's some people that they behave like this because they don't know Christ. They just live in the old self. They don't even have a new self. Don't associate with them. I don't think this is a threat over the life of the church. I think he's being clear about those who don't know who God is. Let me give you a second reward, is know that this life is pleasing to God. How many of us have people-pleasing issues? Come on. A lot of us do. We want people to like us. We want people to accept us. Can you just turn that around and take that craving that you have to be approved and, and please somebody and let it be about pleasing God? Listen to this. Chapter five, verse eight. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. You got people-pleasing issues? Fantastic. Just turn it towards Jesus. <laughs> just turn it towards the Heavenly Father. God, I want to please you in every way. Start by just saying it and let it become a reality in your life. I'm going to run out of time here, so I'm going to say this. The reward, the third one, is focus on the opportunities to change another person's life. Chapter 5, verse 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When I read that phrase, making the most of every opportunity, I've been thinking about habits. And when our habits are all wrapped up in the old self, and God brings an opportunity our way to minister to someone, to encourage someone, to share our faith with someone, you know what a lot of us do? Back away. We don't make the most of every opportunity. Here's why. We're so focused on our old self. I am so broken. There's some things in my life that are just not right. I am unworthy to be a part of someone else's life change story. And we fail to engage in these opportunities that God brings us because we feel unworthy. Listen, when you step in and just go, my old self is my old self. I'm going to let it be my old self. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to take it off, put it aside. And you're going to have to put it aside multiple times this week. I'm just telling you. I'm going to put on the new self with these new habits. And as I do that, I'm going to look for opportunities that God brings me to be a part of someone else's life change story. You see, now your view isn't all, your life's not all about you. It's about what you give to other people. I think those are three rewards or three, three ways to approach this. And can I just say this? I put a note in your, a little comment, a little box in your notes about some great resources. There's two fantastic books. And so if you want to dig deeper into this, I would highly recommend James Clear book, Atomic Habits or the Power to Change by Craig Rochelle. If you want to dig into this, you're like, you know what, I, I, I need to get this right. Um, then, then I would I'd highly encourage you to dig into those. All right, we're going to wrap this up right now. And I want to wrap it up with this. What are you going to do? I do not teach the word of God so you can understand the word of God. At Church on the Hill, we teach the word of God so there's transformation. So you will go do something. So what are you going to do? Question. Have you recognized one bad habit that you need to put aside and take off? I hope you wrote it down. Have you written down what your triggers are of why you do that so that you can see that train coming? Question. Do you believe it's possible that God is not done with you yet, that he will change you? Do you believe that? 
Are you willing to replace that old habit with a new habit? One that is healthy, one that is good, one that will bless other people. I want to encourage you with this scripture here. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I just want you to let this wash over you and encourage you. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Pause there just for a minute. Do you ever feel like there's so much against you? Your history, your choices, the people in your life. If God is for us, who can be against us? The concept of God is so great and mighty and powerful. Who is it or what is it that is more powerful than him? The verse goes on to say, who who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He wants this new life for you. He's waiting for you to step into it. So let's pause for a moment. We're going to pray, just eyes closed and heads bowed. I want to give you a chance to think. What will you do in response to God's word today? Maybe you need to read through this chapter and let it soak in. Let God speak to you. Maybe you've done the work, you've already written down what you need to do and you've got it clear in your head. Maybe you need to share that with somebody. Do you know, statistically speaking, those who share what it is that they're going to change, they're more likely to do it if they share it with somebody else. My great fear is that you will let this moment go by and ignore the prompting of God in your heart to do something. And would you just make yourself vulnerable to him and say, God, speak to me and lead me. And I want to be obedient to you. I urge you, church, to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So God, I pray that you would give us today that you would give us conviction about our lives. I pray that you would give us hope that change is possible. And God, I pray that you would give us fresh insight into how you are changing us. And we pray this in the magnificent name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. I can't tell you how much I love you guys and how I want to see your lives just reflect the love of Christ. Because when, when that happens, He's going to change people in your life too. He's going to use you to draw them to people. And our valley is in so need of transformation. I want that for you. And I think you want that for you too. Let's step into that life together. Let's stand together and let's sing before we leave.